Hello, welcome to Sprott Gold Talk Radio, Season 1, Episode 3. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Director of Sprott Asset Management. Today we have a special guest, Maria Smaranova, Senior Portfolio Manager at Sprott, to talk about the value of silver. And before we go into that, Maria, if, if you could spend a few minutes just talking about your background and your current day-to-day role at Sprott so our listeners can get some context on how you deal with silver and all the other metals for that matter on a day-to-day basis. Hi, Ed, and hello, everyone. And and thank you for having me on this uh, chat. I'm really excited to talk about silver. I've actually been at Sprott quite a long time, since 2008. And, you know, over time, my role has evolved. But to summarize, I'm a portfolio manager, as Ed mentioned. And so my day-to-day activities are working with the rest of the gold team at Sprott, managing our suite of mining equity products. And we primarily focus on gold and silver. And, you know, that's day to day. And I do spend a lot of time reading about the physical metals as well. And my specialty is silver, but I also do a lot of work on gold as well. And so we do have products uh, both in the United States and in Canada. And as such, I spend a lot of time meeting with various companies. And, you know, before COVID happened, we actually also spent quite a bit of time going and visiting different properties. We do invest globally. So we have companies based in Australia. We have companies with mines in Africa, a lot lot of Latin American companies. So my job is quite fun because I get to speak with a lot of different individuals and uh, I learn every day. Well, that's great, Maria. And, and, And speaking of COVID, you know, 2020 provided a strong year for silver up over 47%. It was, it was a tremendous year for the metal itself. You know, this year, you know, 2021 remains top of mind from a conversation standpoint, albeit the year-to-date performance has softened. Could you provide some color or in your view, what's really happening now in the silver market? Yeah, I think what's happening is applying to both gold and silver. Last year, uh, with the shock of COVID, governments all over the world started uh, spending money trying to cushion their economies from the COVID shock. And that helped gold and silver propel higher. Since then, we've had a rollout of vaccinations around the world to various degrees, and particularly in the United States. And that has contributed to a view in the market that the economy will recover. So in fact, there's been a change in expectations of economic growth, particularly in the United States, that that expectation has been strong contributing to strong general market performance as well. And that's resulted in a strengthening of the U.S. dollar and a rise in long-term interest rates in the United States. And we see a strong relationship between the price of gold and silver versus long-term interest rates, particularly in the United States. You know, last year, interest rates dropped rapidly. This year, we've seen a bit of a reversal. And like I said, we see sentiment has changed to an extent in the market, dampening sentiment for gold and silver. Now, we do see this as transitory because the bottom line for us is that there's still a lot of stimulus in the system. President Biden is proposing various measures to continue to spend money. You know, we know the infrastructure bill. We've just had a $1.9 trillion stimulus package enacted already, and we're already talking about more. And that all is being financed through debt. The U.S. is in both trade and fiscal deficits. And, you know, the deficit really grew last year, and it's uh, continuing to be 
quite large, I would say. So all the spending that we're seeing is being financed through debt. So we do talk about fiat currency debasement and gold and silver are great hard assets. So that to us is where the value in the metals comes from. In addition, silver is benefiting from ultimately a reopening of the global economy as industries coming back about 50% of silver use is an industry. So that's contributed specifically to silver's outperformance. And silver, in fact, has been outperforming gold. And I think that is because of that dual nature of it being a monetary asset and an industrial metal as well. Well, and that brings up the second point, which is, you know, we hear often about the demand for silver, whether it's from a commodity or as a natural hedge in a portfolio. But you don't read too often about the supply of silver and you know where silver actually is coming from how it's being produced and and how how impactful or or lack of impact does recycling play uh, in the silver market can you touch a bit on the supply side of silver you know how many ounces are being typically produced in a year how does that happen is recycling impactful to the overall supply of silver just walk the listeners through that a little bit and help them understand the supply side of silver as well as the demand so the total silver market is about 1 billion ounces, plus or minus, but I like to use that round figure. And over 80% of silver does come from mine supply. But the other part is scrap supply. And in fact, scrap used to be a higher proportion of the market, but has dropped within the last five years. And if you want it to be a little more precise, scrap actually contributes about 16 to 17% of the market right now. The, the fact that scrap supply has dropped in importance because if you looked at $50 silver a few years back in 2011, now silver is $25, $26 an ounce. And in fact, it dropped to as low as $12 an ounce last year. Well, scrap is price sensitive. And so when silver price has declined, people don't want to recycle their silverware, their spoons and forks and jewelry as much as they used to. And another driver of the scrap supply drop has been photography. Now, photography has been diminishing as we go digital, of course. So, so we used to recycle a lot of the x-ray films and so forth. And as we work through that supply, that's also contributed to a decline in scrap. Now, on the mine supply side, if you think about Mexico and Latin America, those are two areas that are big suppliers of silver, a lot of silver mines. And a lot of the mines are actually byproduct mines where silver is mined together with either gold or copper or lead and zinc. So it is quite a diverse supply story for silver there. And what about the price itself? You know, we talked about that a little bit and people look at it in a lot of different ways, whether it's what we've often heard is the gold to silver ratio. But what about how affordable silver is relative to gold? Why are they priced so differently? And I guess in addition to that, silver has traditionally been viewed as the affordable gold. You hear that term a lot. Some people even say it's the poor person's gold. But from an investor standpoint, silver seems to be gaining traction over the last five to 10 years. And I think you've already commented on that from a commodity standpoint and from a need standpoint. But walk us through a little bit that differential between, you know, $25, $26 an ounce for silver versus $1,700 plus an ounce for gold. You know, why in your mind is that difference or that gap in pricing so wide between silver and gold when it comes to pricing? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's it, it's a question of a lot of deba- debate in the market. Silver market, we produce about a billion ounces a year of silver, but we produce about 150 million ounces of gold a year. So if you look at that ratio, it's about 6.7 to 1. Gold trades about 65 to 68 to 1 right now. So silver, in my mind, 
is still much more undervalued than gold is. Well, you know, and it's interesting, too, because when you talk about the two different metals, silver certainly is getting more comments, whether it's something as as simple as the physical versus the paper contract market, where you read on all these social media platforms and so forth that we're seeing the last couple months, actually. But, you know, if you think about silver today, maybe to back up just a little bit, Talk about some of the key benefits that we're seeing today with modern technology, with, you know, autonomous driving cars and reflective technology and solar panels and so forth. Talk about that for a minute. Some of the key benefits of silver that maybe some of our listeners haven't really thought about in the past and can educate them on 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 really the value of silver today over and above just diversifying a portfolio. But as common kind of day to day uses, where are you the most excited as an investor in silver where you're seeing the applications grow over the, the next three, five, 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And as I mentioned, about half of silver goes into industrial uses. Now, those uses have, first of all, silver has been used in industry and in everyday life, as you say, for centuries. Besides being the first coins and the first monetary instrument, silver has tremendous biocidal properties. So even a hundred years ago, we would use silver for those properties. As a kid, I remember putting a silver spoon in a bucket of water so that we could drink it later. It's a simple example of that. Then we came to a time where uh, silver was greatly used in photography. And as we've gone digital, that has declined. So there have been some kind of cycles in the use. Now going forward to the present time, one very important area for silver has been uh, solar panels or photovoltaics. That area has grown in the last, let's say, 10 years to about 100 million ounces a year, that which is about 10% of the market. And we do see that area still continuing to grow. I mentioned President Biden's infrastructure plan. Well, part of that plan is uh, building out, and I quote, millions of solar panels. And the solar area is really gaining traction, not just in the US, but in it, it's big in Europe. We're hearing about Latin America, about Asia increasing their solar power. And that has to do with a very simple fact. As the population grows and as countries industrialize, our air gets dirtier. And uh, we've read about China and air being bad. So governments around the world would like to clean up their air for their citizens. And solar and wind power are great alternatives to your coal-based power. You know, that's the first area I would say we would continue to see growth in. The second area, and I think you mentioned it, is automobiles. The, The car industry is evolving rapidly as well, as we know. We're moving towards hybrid cars and, again, greener energy, fewer emissions, and ultimately electrification of all vehicles. Well, that has a twofold effect. First of all, hybrid and electric vehicles use more silver. And by the way, silver is already widely used in cars. Your car will have a couple of ounces of silver in it and you don't see it. It's used in very, very small quantities. It's used in mirrors and anything electric, air conditioning units, etc., etc., switches, all of that stuff. But as you transition to hybrid cars and electric cars, what they call silver loadings are going up. And so we are expecting to see growth in that area as well. Now, the second part to the car industry is, of course, as you go electric, you are needing to install more infrastructure, charging stations. A lot of the charging stations are solar, in fact. And that, you know, goes back to my solar theme. We will see more silver being used there. And then the third area that we've talked about is 5G networks. And these are telecommunication networks for faster cell phone service, etc., 
silver is being used in the towers and the infrastructure that goes along with that. I actually uh, wrote an article about this a couple of months ago. Between those three areas that we see and we've done research into, we've counted over 100 million ounces incremental that we'll need a year in physical silver within the next 10 years. Just to put that in perspective, 100 million ounces is 10% of the silver market. While that does not sound like maybe a lot to some people, I would say that it is pretty difficult to find 100 million ounces more a year in terms of silver production. And as I mentioned, most of the market is mine production. So, you know, the way I I would think of 100 million ounces a year is 10 rather large silver mines that we would need to find. I meet with mining companies all the time. I look at silver exploration and what's happening in the market. And while I am encouraged that we are starting to put money into exploration, I just don't see a lot of 10 million ounce mines coming online within the next five to 10 years. So for me, those exciting areas of growth in the market actually translate to a potentially real shortage of silver coming out five to 10 years. Well, you don't have to be a savvy investor to understand supply versus demand. And it sounds like the demand is going to continue to at least remain stable, if not grow. And supply uh, may have some challenges down the road. So I think that's a pretty exciting time to be thinking about silver from an investment standpoint. You know, what are some of the ways out there an investor can allocate to the silver market, whether it's on the physical side or the equity side? You know, what are your thoughts on that? There's definitely multiple different ways of investing in silver and silver equities, more so in physical silver. You know, you can look at silver coins, which command, I would say, a high premium to spot prices. There is ETFs and other financial type products that I would say would be a more efficient way because they will have less of a premium to spot. So you wouldn't overpay as much to spot. But I would say everyone's situation is different. And I would encourage everyone to consult their investment advisor, or you can reach out directly to Sprott and we have products to help you out as well. And, and what about the mines themselves? You know, you mentioned earlier that sure, there's silver mines, particularly in, in Latin America and Mexico. And, but in many cases, they're mining gold, silver, copper, and, and, and zinc and whatnot. From an equity standpoint, what words of caution would you advise investors on when investing in mining companies in general? And are there pure mining silver plays that investors should be thinking about as well? You know, investing in mining companies in general is a tricky business. You really have to consider a lot of various factors, you know, starting with management team to infrastructure to location, political risk, and importantly, very importantly, geology, which is very tricky sometimes. Again, I would say if if you could consult your investment advisor, they can advise you what products, particularly Sprott has. We're actually quite unique in that we have silver specific products. Other companies, as far as I know, do not have such products. But I think you've really done a great job of covering really all ends of silver from demand to supply to how it's used, how to invest in it and so forth. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners as relates to the value of silver today? How should someone think about this, whether it's from a pure play, a diversification play? What would you like to leave the listeners with today as a final thought on the value of silver? Uh, well, again, number one, we're, we're quite unique in the sense that we study silver more than a lot of people, I would say. Uh, and from that, uh, my personal viewpoint is that, wh- why do I like silver? Well, it's that dual nature. The, on the one hand, uh, 
I'm a long-term believer in silver because notwithstanding the short-term fluctuations and short-term kind of sentiment swings, we know that governments all over the world will continue spending money. And, you know, we're seeing debt levels at record levels to as percent of GDP. You know, we're seeing debt levels we haven't seen since the Second World War. It, it's telling us that governments are continuing to print money, right? And silver is a hard asset. So that half of its serving as a monetary hard asset is very prospective for us, you know. And then the other half, the industrial side, as we've talked about, there's some very interesting developments on the industrial side. And a lot of it, by the way, what I didn't mention is a lot of the silver that goes into industry, we don't even get back, right? As I mentioned, scrap supply is actually a small proportion of the market. Because silver is used in small quantities, we never see it again. It's a treadmill. We need to continue producing more and more and more. So, you know, whether you believe in strong economic growth, or whether you believe in fiat currency debasement, I think silver will benefit from both of those aspects. And that's what makes me so excited about it. Well, Maria, thank you for taking the time today to join us on Sprott Gold Talk Radio. We really appreciate your time and insight into the silver market. You know, For our listeners who want to learn more about silver, Sprott, and Maria, please visit us at sprott.com. And we also encourage you to reach out to our senior investment consultants. We have consultants to cover the East Coast, the Central Region, and the West Coast. And you can reach out to them at 888-622-1813. And until next time, happy investing out there, and we'll talk to you soon. You have been listening to the Gold Talk podcast by Sprott Inc. For more information and insights on precious metals investing, please visit Sprott.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Sprott entity to the listener. Neither Sprott nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. And any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sprott, and Sprott is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Sprott to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Sprott entity. Past performance is no indication of future results.